0: Hey, hey. Thanks again for pressing play. And welcome once again to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast, Summer League post game shows. Ah, Nothing like them, is there? Nothing like them. My name is John Voida, and I am the co host of the Suns Jam Session Podcast and site manager of brightsideofthesun.com. And I welcome you to another edition of this year podcast. Yeah, we're still doing these things. I'll be solo on this one tonight. For those of you who are tuning in early, uh, you're finding out right off the bat and I'm going to have to probably repeat myself about four or five times as more people join this live stream and wonder why is John sitting here talking to himself by himself? Why wh- where's Matthew? Uh Matthew's not here tonight. Matthew's a busy guy. Matthew's a busier guy than I am it appears. Uh, Matthew's a cooler guy than I am. He's got things to do, places to go, people to see. Me, I'm watching summer league games. Fourth Summer League game for the Phoenix Suns tonight against the Utah Jazz, Utah, the Utah Jazz, the Utah Wantanabis. and the Jazz with a 97-93 victory over the Phoenix Suns advanced to the Summer League semifinals. Cool. Cool. Good for them. Real happy for Utah there. It was a it was a, actually kind of an entertaining game tonight. And that's what I want to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Going to go over the summer league game, the pros, the cons, Tumani Kamara, back playing and engaged for the Phoenix Suns. And then I want to talk about some other things. I want to talk about a little bit of campaign. saving Lee's coming back. Is Bol Bol going to be around? What's going on? Are the Suns setting up for another move? We don't know. And then lastly, I want to do some uh, early season predictions here on July 14th. Just kind of see what you're thinking in the chat and uh, thinking what we're thinking about what we're thinking and what we think we will be thinking when the season begins. You think? So a nice reminder to everybody who's watching along live, please hit the thumbs up button on the YouTube channel. If you're not watching along live, hit the thumbs up. Anyways, you're hanging out here. You might as well let people know where you like to consume your son's content. That's right here on the son's jam session podcast. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. it truly is something that uh, we appreciate and it's something that lets other people know as they are perusing to find the best phoenix suns content where to find it we have another recent review this is from connor omart thank you connor five stars he rated us on apple podcast and he titled his review al mccoy's burner said, I always tune in for Voidus expertise and Matthew's kisses. <laughs> Been listening to the pod for over a year now, and it's like cracking a cold beer or sipping a refreshing Moscow Mule with close friends. Thank you guys for making such fun, informative Suns content. And thank you, Connor, for taking a little time out of your day to give us a review right here on the Jiggity Jiggity Jam session. So, again, for those of you who are tuning in, Matthew is busy. I'm going to be running solo on this one, so... Uh, I'm going to try something a little different here. I'm not going to have a Moscow Mule. (sighs) Shocking. I literally think I've had a Moscow Mule on every podcast since the season ended. But it's time to change things up a little bit. I'm going to try a delicious Four Peaks Suns Brew. the the, The reflection really fucks that up. There you go. Suns Brew. Makes my head look absolutely gigantic, doesn't it? But pop them if you got them, Suns fans. It's a, it's a Friday night in Phoenix. It sounded kind of funny. It sounded like a little queef. It's a Friday night in Phoenix. And it's like 118 degrees outside. So drink an ice cold beverage and let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. Suns lose their fourth and not final game of the summer league the way that it works is all teams play four games between july 7th and july 14th one week they play four games eight days and based on your record after those four games you're gonna either play an additional game on saturday or you're gonna end up in the summer league semifinals which is what utah was playing for tonight They were playing for an opportunity to go to the semifinals in the summer league as they entered this game with a three and zero record. Obviously the Phoenix suns, you know, we're one and two. We're not fighting for an opportunity to play some extra basketball that means something, even though none of it means anything. We're just, we're, we're trying to put it together as a team and see what uh, fluidity could look like on the court. And that's something that I really enjoyed about in this game is the Phoenix suns looked fluid I think it's the best way to say it, is the best offensive basketball that I've seen them play thus far in the summer league uh, passing the ball. Not a lot of isolation ball, right? I mean, that's the challenge when you watch summer league basketball is you see a lot of isolation basketball. You see a lot of players who good, bad or indifferent are trying to stat pad a little bit. They want to showcase their skills to those in attendance, to the scouts who are watching. It's their first, perhaps their only chance to ever be on national television. So they are going to play for themselves. They play for me, not we. The Suns tonight looked like a team that was playing for we, uh, not weed, for we, okay? And because of this, their offense was popping a little bit better. They, the Everybody was getting involved. You look kind of up and down the box score, and you see a lot of players who scored in double digits. You had a Hunter Hale had 12 coming off the bench. Uh, you had Brown scored 10 points. The other Brown scored 13. Tamani Kamara had 14. Grant Shurfield, the rookie from uh, Oklahoma who's undrafted, he scored 23, 9-17 to from the field for him. So it, it was a team that was really moving the ball around. And through three quarters in this game, really, really looked good. And then the fourth quarter happened. And in the fourth quarter, the top line, of the Utah Jazz ultimately took over. This is a team in the Utah Jazz that ended up scoring 21 points off the bench of their 97 points, whereas the Phoenix Suns scored, let's see, math, 24, 27 points, maybe 30. Uh, And it was Johnny Juzang. I don't know if anyone remembers him, played uh, for the UCLA Bruins. I believe he went to a Final Four a couple years ago, went undrafted in the 2022 NBA draft. And he was continually attacking his size and athleticism and affinity for attacking the cylinder, got him to the line. He was seven of 10 from the line ended with 24 points to lead all scores in the game. Uh, you had Lucas, semanic scored 22 points as well, had six rebounds, four assists, a couple blocks. And the defense stepped up as the offense stepped up for the Utah jazz. They outscored the Phoenix suns 33 to 21 in this, in the fourth quarter, ultimately wins, win the game by four points. And, That's it. They're going off to the semifinals. The Suns are going to play again. The Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow uh, in a 630 game. And that's just kind of where we're at. Obviously, we were excited because Tumani Kamara was playing again. Tumani Kamara. I don't know how Suns Geek does this shit talking by himself. You can't drink. Suns Geek, how do you do this by yourself? I need to be like, Matthew, let me ask you a question. And then I just can't hear a pound of beer. This thing's going to be fucking... Half full before this thing's done. Uh Tamani Kamara, I felt like he came out and looked again confident to begin this game. Like he was a man playing amongst boys at times. He scored five of the Suns' first nine points, and then kind of in the middle part of the game, really started to, I feel, force the issue. He ended five of fourteen from the field. He had 14 points, as I mentioned, he had seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, five offensive rebounds, seven of his rebound, or five of his seven rebounds ended up being offensive. And I really, again, I, I admire his hustle. I admire his uh, willingness to attack and be somebody who's a fuck shit up guy. I mean, that's what he was kind of played at like tonight was in that fuck shit up mode where he was sitting there and he was like, listen, I'm a better athlete than the majority of you. So I'm going to go out there and prove it. But at times he fi- he found himself, running himself into situations. And then in an effort to try to bail himself out, he was making bad passes. He was throwing the ball back to his teammates on the perimeter. And it was just just a bit outside, high and outside. And then it would end up as a turnover. So a few of those plays in the middle of the game, and then he kind of started to reel it in a little bit more in that, you know, middle part of the third quarter into the fourth. uh, But ultimately, you know, the team lost, but, Again, good things that we saw from him. Uh, as Bees says in the chat, says Kamara's activity level is very high. Crashing the f- crashing the boards, moving bodies. Uh, and did an Amari-like uh, attack to the rim? Uh, I think Mike Hill from the Timeline podcast tweeted something out about that. He's like, uh, to Amari Kamara, because of the, his way that he attacked, did a spin move, and then uh, a hook shot in. It's like, I miss those old... You know, this guy right here, right behind me, Amari Stoudemire, the way that he to attack and do the, the quick spin into a little baby hook for two points, that that, that play was money in the bank. And tomorrow was pulling that out of his bag tonight. So it was nice to see that. We'll see if he plays tomorrow. My guess is that he doesn't. The coaching staff of the Phoenix Suns did this the last time they played a back-to-back against the Pelicans in Game 3. Kamar didn't play. And he stated that he was a little bit sore. He was sore than he thought he was going to be. And ultimately, he didn't play in that. So with the final game upcoming, it'll be interesting to see if they choose to play him or not. Uh, As Alan Snow states in the chat, too bad Goodwin didn't play the last couple games. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing that in the middle of that first game, after 18 minutes played, Jordan Goodwin got left knee soreness and the Suns just shut him down. Jordan Goodwin, Tamani Kamara, those are the two players who have an opportunity to have some semblance of an impact on the pro squad come the regular season. There's no reason in the Summer League to push Jordan Goodwin in any way, shape, or form. He's kind of the elder classman, the elder statesman when it comes to the Summer League. He's played in plenty of Summer League games. He's played in plenty of G League games. There's plenty of footage of him playing in multiple levels of the NBA that you don't need to... Essentially see what you have when it comes to him. So I I do believe that the Suns are doing the right thing and made the right move by not pushing Goodwin. But again, I'm a I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, and selfishly, I would have loved to seen him play this summer league, just as I loved watching Tamani Kamara. When you have young, exciting talent, you want to see them play. And we know that. After tomorrow night's game, which, by the way, programming note here, there will not be a post game pod. Uh, I'm going to go play poker at my little brother's house. And I don't know if I, I don't think Matthew's going to be doing this here podcast alone. Like I'm doing it right now. But this is it. This is going to be the last postgame pod until the fucking preseason. That's like two and a half months away, two months away, something like that. Regular season doesn't start till October. End of September is when we'll probably start to see some preseason. So that's why watching these games, as boring as they can be sometimes, they can also be exciting because you know that there's a chasm between now and then to when we get to watch some Phoenix Suns basketball in any format. And that's why it's exciting to watch Tamani Kamara and what he did. Looking at a couple other things as it relates to this game, uh, Grant Sherfield, as I mentioned before, he was 9 of 17 from the field, 5 of 11 from beyond the arc, 23 points, uh, 4 rebounds. I think Shurfield's somebody who could potentially find himself uh, on a G League team. I mean, he's got talent, that's for sure. He, he was a solid player for Oklahoma. Um, I think that he he's, he, he's a little small. Uh, He definitely knows how to attack. I mean, you got to give him that. He definitely knows how to attack, but I think that he's a little small and is somebody who probably is going to take some time and some effort and some uh, tempering to find his way ultimately into the NBA. I mean, he is six foot two. He's 201. Uh, He's a two time uh, all district team. Um, When he was in high school, he's, all big 12 honorable mention, you know, he he's, he has some, he definitely has some basketball skill. And if this was a young team, you'd go, okay, Grant Sherfield, I I could, I could do this. I could have this guy on our team. You know, it, he, he was a, a guy who bounced around a bunch, right? And like his rookie season or his rookie, his freshman season, he played for Wichita state. Then he transferred to Nevada and he was at Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. I spent a lot of time in Nevada and I call it Nevada. And for some reason, I just called it Nevada. Sorry for that. I owe you one. Cheers. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Two seasons at Nevada. Then he was at Oklahoma last year for a senior year. And he averaged 15.9 points. Hell, he averaged uh, more than that with Nevada. He averaged 18.8 in two, two years there. So he's definitely somebody who can fill it up. He uh, 36% career three-point shooter in Uh, college. So I I liked what I saw from him. I liked his ability to attack. Uh, But again, you know, I'm almost talking in circles here because ultimately it doesn't matter. Uh, This team, the Phoenix Suns, they're, they're looking for bigger things. They're looking at bigger things and some of the bigger things that they're looking at. And some of the things that have been rumored this week, uh, make us guess at what's going to happen. And, Wonder if the Suns are not done. Here comes the pain! So the rumors continue around the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Cameron Payne's name has been brought up uh, as a trade possibility. Uh, TJ McConnell with the Indiana Pacers is who he's been linked to. Uh, God, I forget who. It was Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, the you know their NBA senior writer. Mentioned both of those facts. And of course, everybody jumps at the idea of that, right? TJ McConnell for Cameron Payne, fucking sign me up, right? You know, in TJ McConnell, you get a veteran point guard who is scrappy on defense, is more of a distributor, is more of just a traditional point guard. And I feel like if you pull Cameron Payne from the equation and you insert TJ McConnell, that is a massive win for the Phoenix Suns because it gives you two different kinds of point guard play the suns most likely are going to have devin booker and bradley beal running the point with the first team unit this next season and it'd be very nice for some switch it up if you will when they bring in the second team unit now granted it's not hockey they're not doing full on line changes you're going to temper minutes and you're going to mix and match and see who can has the chemistry and can play well together. But if there's moments where it's like, okay, Booker's coming out, we're going to now put in Eric Gordon. Okay. Now Eric Gordon is going to roll out there with Bradley Beal for a while. And then Bradley Beal going to come out with TJ McConnell and they're going to play like two or three minutes. And now Devin Booker comes back as Bradley Beal takes. I mean, there's a lot of different combinations there. And currently with Cameron Payne, I feel like the goal at least per Frank Vogel is to carry the same type of offense, a fast paced offense, if you will, something that he's referenced numerous times and something that he stated at Bradley Beal's inaugural uh, press conference, right? You know, we're a team that wants to play with pace. Cameron Payne's going to be a part of that. Like he's definitely said those words and talked about how Cameron Payne is going to be a member of this team who is going to assist in pushing pace and keeping the scoring going for Phoenix. But that being said, it's nice to throw a curveball at opposing teams from time to time. Bring in a guy who, because you're already going to have offense out there. Like Eric Gordon is going to play a lot of minutes. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, from a guard standpoint, you got a bunch of offense. In Cameron Payne, you got somebody who has a little bit more of a reckless abandon. It's not necessarily a distributor, not somebody who's looking to set his teammates up. He's looking to take the wild, craziest, funniest fucking shot possible bank it high off of the backboard and hopes it goes in. And then when he makes it, he screams, yells, the fans get excited. And when he misses it, he gets disappointed. He puts his head down and he runs back and then he makes an error on defense and yada, yada, yada. We know it. We've seen it right now. I'm not anti campaign, but I think that TJ McConnell and the curveball that that could provide and the wrinkle that that could provide both offensively and defensively as a team would be something that I would be a fan of seeing the challenge when we talk about the acquisition of tj mcconnell or training camera Payne, period is Cameron Payne is scheduled to make 6.5 million dollars this upcoming season right one year deal uh, tj mcconnell's i believe nine it's like 8.9 million and he has a non-guaranteed contract next season so the challenge that you run into is due to the fact the phoenix suns have exceeded the second apron i think they have the third highest payroll in the National Basketball Association behind the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers, due to that second apron, they can't take back any dollars over what they send out. So if they send out $6.5 million in salary, i.e. Cameron Payne, you can't do a straight-up deal for TJ McConnell. You'd have to get either a third team involved or add add another player to the deal, one of those $2.2 million contracts that you just signed potentially. Uh, but again, I think that that becomes challenging. Uh, the other challenge here is why the fuck would Indiana want Cameron Payne? I mean, not to say Cameron Payne's a horrible player. He's a, he's a good, he's a good player. He earned a $6.5 million contract. He plays hard. He's had some injury history over the last two seasons. I think that's really hampered him. If you go back to the beginning of last season, he did play very good. Uh, there was a lot of injuries last season and he stepped up before he got injured in, I believe, January time frame. But for the first part of the season, Cameron Payne was – I was eating my words. I thought he was going to fall flat on his face. I wrote articles for Bright Side of the Sun last summer about how Cameron Payne needs to step up, and I don't think he will. And then he did. So kudos to him. He is a quality NBA player. I just don't think that his value is that of TJ McConnell. I don't think his value on the open market is much more than a veteran minimum, truth be told. I haven't looked at John Hollinger's boards, the B-O-R-D dollar sign rating when it comes to Cameron Payne, but my assumption is it's less than 6.5. That's just my assumption. So trading him, you'd have to add another contract to that. Maybe there's an Ish Wainwright possibility, but Ish Wainwright's not making enough to if you stack those two contracts together to get T.J. McConnell. Now, the Suns have done some nice things, Uh, And James Jones, I think that by getting those Memphis second round picks, those are sprinkling on, those are sprinkles on a cupcake if you want to do a deal that involves Cameron Payne. But again, it's the money because of the second apron. This is what we keep talking about, right? When we talk about that second apron and what's the challenge with that, these are the challenges. You negate roster flexibility because generally you could take up, I think it's either 10% or up to 25% of that person's salary, the outgoing person's salary back. It's how a team under the apron can operate. So essentially, if I trade a player to your team and my player has $10 million and your player is worth $12.5 million, I can, it's an even trade. But go to the trade machines, and I'd like to see some suggestions. Who can we trade Cameron Payne for? And it actually mathematically makes sense. That's what I've been talking about all offseason. This is where the Suns going to be a little bit hampered. Now, worst case scenario, we keep Cameron Payne. I'm fine with that. I I really am. You know, I would, would I like to see that wrinkle? Absolutely. Would I like to see the sons have the ability to kind of switch it up and bring in a TJ McConnell type, somebody who can play more of a distributor role on this team? Sure. But Cameron Payne's is still capable and sounds like Frank Vogel, you know, a defensive mastermind, if you will, uh, has a lot of offensive plans for him, which I don't even know technically what that means or what to expect. So It'll be very interesting to see how the Cameron Payne situation goes moving forward because Phoenix is not done. The other side of this is bull, bull. We continue to hear bull, bull, and everyone's like, "Well, it's pretty much wrapped up. It's just they're waiting on something. They're waiting on something." Bull, bull is meh. Like, okay, I don't. He's not a needle changer. He's a high upside guy. I get it. There's an opportunity there for a high upside guy. Uh, I think he has, obviously, a lot of deficiencies. That's why he's still in the market. That's why he's been on, what, four teams, three or four teams since he since he came into the league. So I think that while a lot of people are really excited about mobile, I want to know why, besides the whole huge upside. Like, uh, yeah, okay, any guy you get on a veteran minimum deal who's a young player, guess what, what two words you can say about that guy? Huge and upside. So I just don't know or see or, or I, I don't – when it happens, fine. Make sure. Bring Bobo. I'm not opposed to it. I just don't understand why there's so much hype uh, behind it. Taking a look at the chat again if you're hanging out with me. Thank you. I'm all by myself. This is weird. <laughs> just drinking my son's brew tonight all alone. Matthew's a busy dude. Uh, my fave tech in the chat. More power to you, John. I missed the game tonight, but glad you're in tonight. Where's the lizard man? Matthew. Matthew's busy. Matthew, busy, dude got yeah, people to go please do good things. So I'm by myself, and uh, I, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to try what Suns Geek does, like go solo to see what it was like. It's not easy, man. I'm 23 minutes in. I'm like, fuck, how have I talked for 23 minutes? Uh, Howard says, Otto Porter or Jay Sean Tate, not opposed to either one of those players. Uh, again, what do we have to give up in order to get there? Get rid of Ish right? I'm okay with that. Mark Brooks, could they use their dollar mil- or $5 million trade exception in a possible trade for TJ? No, they can't. Again, second tax apron shit. You can't do that in a trade. Uh, you can utilize that towards salary if you're picking up a free agent, but you can't use it in a, a previous trade exception salary dump in a trade when you've hit that second tax apron. So that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. Dwig24, good solo show. Okay, son. Hey, appreciate that. Here, my dogs in here just staring at me like, "Why is he talking the whole time?" I'm used to Matthew chiming in, but we'll get through this together. It's all good. Uh, Payne makes the same as both. Yeah, if if we can, Jayshon Tate, I don't think uh, it, they'll want to trade. Auto Porter, I can mi- maybe see, uh, but again, what is Payne's real value? What are we adding? Do we have to give up all of our second round picks just to get Payne campaign out of here? I don't know. The, the most valuable thing the campaign has is the fact that he has a, on a one-year contract. So that's why somebody like TJ McConnell would make sense. If they if Indiana just didn't want to deal with the fact that he's got two years left, now again, one of them not, not guaranteed, it would be great because they're like, dude, we can get rid of him. Now, here's the other thing that nobody's talking about. Well, I'm sure. What do you mean? What am I? Everybody's talking about this guy. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that I'm surprised I haven't brought him up yet. One way that you can get TJ McConnell here is you take Deandre Ayton and Cameron Payne and you trade him for Miles Turner and TJ McConnell. The math works and boom, solved. Miles Turner is your starting center and TJ McConnell's a backup four or backup point guard. Uh, I don't want to do that either. Again, I'm I'm on I'm on the Ayton train right now. I want Deandre Ayton here next season. I want him as our fourth fourth best player. I want him to be the guy who can completely focus on defense and being everything that Frank Vogel has proven to excel as as a coach as have has a defensive rim protector because de- good batter, and different he might not dunk he might have shitty hands on offense but he has athleticism and lateral quickness and the ability to deter shots at the rim and we've seen it what it looks like when DeAndre Ayton is locked in I want to see it with this version of the Suns that's just me okay uh rocking the Mike yeah same I want to see what Vogel can do since he's a big man whisper Absolutely. So, yeah, that trade would work. Miles Turner, TJ McConnell for Cameron Payne, and DeAndre Ayton. And you could probably get another asset in there. You could probably get a couple draft picks even because you have DeAndre in a former number one overall pick. I don't want it yet. I don't want it yet. Another thing that's happened recently is it was announced today that the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury would no longer be on Bally Sports. So this is one of those things that, you know, when Matt Ishbia came and... Took over ownership of the Suns and the Mercury. He said that he was going to focus on the fan experience and he was going to make it uh, high, much more accessible. And that was going to be one of his primary focuses building a winner and making it great for the fans. And one of the things that he did in April is he announced that uh, the Phoenix Suns had agreed to a deal with Gray Entertainment that owns Channel 3 and Channel 44 here locally in Phoenix. And that the Phoenix Suns, outside of nationally broadcasted games, would once again return to local television, and that's the first time in 20 years. The Suns started their partnership with Fox Sports Arizona, which became Bally Sports in 2003 and uh, 2004, that season, right? The the last, I think, was it the last Starbury season? It was the year before the Steve Nash came back here. Um, and ever since then, it's been on cable. And we know Bally sports has sucked. We know if anyone who tries to stream them through the app, dude, it's it's not good. It's not good. Even streaming them through the web page, not good. Um, so this is this is big. I mean, growing up as a Suns fan, they were on UPN 45, right? And I know that you're probably watching this, and whether you're on your phone or you're listening, uh, raise your hand if you remember the old intro. Remember that dun 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 UPN 45. 40- I'll play it for you. Phoenix Suns basketball has been brought to you by Southwest Airlines with frequent flights and low everyday pairs flying southwest. Fucking classic. Am I right now? I know they're not going to go back to that song or anything, but I mean, we grew up watching the Suns. The affinity for the Suns grew because of the accessibility to it. And now with modern streaming and and cable and restrictions and blackouts and all this stuff, it's been it's been barriers for the Phoenix Suns fans to reach their team. Now, I'm not 100% sure how streaming is going to work. Based on a a tweet I put out there, it sounds like there's workarounds. Uh, And it's another thing that uh, Gray Entertainment stated that they're going to let us know in the upcoming months how streaming streaming is going to work. But I just think it's great. I think it's great for the young kids uh, of this fan base. I think it's great for all economic levels of our fan base, to have accessibility to this team, to know, grow, and love this team the way that we did. It's a huge win for the Phoenix Suns organization and for Matt Ishbia. I think that this is... I mean, the, the, the guy's just shitting gold bricks right now. The guy can't miss. You know, the only thing that I feel he has uh, a challenge with or or it, from the outside looking in is just the Isaiah-Thomas relationship. And I have a piece that's going up on Sunday on Bright Side of the Sun kind of talking about that relationship and, and questioning, ultimately, why? Like, wh- why do we give a shit so much? You know, and I get it. Like, Isaiah Thomas, he uh, was... It was alleged that he had sexual harassment against an employee with the New York Knicks. Uh, she she was fired. She won a settlement because of retaliation from the New York Knicks and the Madison Square Garden Corporation, which owns the Knicks for $11.6 million back in 06. Uh, I know as an executive... With the Knicks, he was not good, uh, but Isaiah Thomas has a lot of knowledge, and he knows Matt Ishby. He's on his board of directors at United uh, Something Mortgage Worldwide Mortgage Prestige Worldwide, whatever it is. So I'm not saying Isaiah Thomas is void of sin, uh, but he went through the legal process. He, you know, paid his debt to society and to this person who he, you know, uh, sexually harassed, and he denies. Uh, adamantly that he that nothing happened. So, you know, and again, you gotta understand, like, I'm not an Isaiah Thomas fan. Like who's this behind me as Michael Jordan, dude, I'm a Michael Jordan kid. Okay, Isaiah Thomas was the enemy. He was an asshole growing up. But if I'm looking from the outside looking in, and I go, okay, I, I understand the scars of this organization. And what we just went through with Sarver, and you don't want to bring somebody around the organization who has anything remote, that 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 remotely uh, mirrors the um, actions of Robert Sarver, but Isaiah Thomas is he, he's not running the culture in there. He's he's telling Matt HB what he thinks about basketball. And you look at his experience as a basketball player, as a 12 time All as a five time All NBA guys, a two time champion, as a one time Finals MVP, as an executive, as a president of basketball operations, as a head coach, as a president of basketball operations for a WNBA team. I mean, he has a lot of knowledge that our rookie owner can lean into a little bit. Now, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I'm wondering why everybody is just so uh, adamant and, and like and vehemently hates Isaiah Thomas uh, outside of his basketball life, right? I mean, we know he was a prick as a basketball player. He's part of the bad boys, dude. He's, I mean, they're a bunch of assholes. Those of us who grew up watching, I'll never forget the bad boys, dude. I fucking watched I remember being a little kid just being so pissed at Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer. I mean, the Jordan rules, all that fun stuff, but – we're not going to as much as we bitch moan and complain about his relationship with Isaiah Thomas, we're not going to have the ability to tell a billionaire how to choose their friends. I think that history tells us that billionaires, they're on a different, different level than us. So, uh, but again, going back to the deal with channel three and channel 44, I think it's a huge win. Uh, I'm somebody, I I still, I haven't cut the cord. I have direct TV. So Uh, I'll get the games. (laughs) You want my password? Fuck off. Uh, Matthew will get it. Uh, But outside of that, you know, I think that that's a huge win for the organization. All right. Last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here Uh, again, if you're watching long live, thank you. I'm here by myself, but I'm not because you're here. Like, subscribe, rate, and review, whether you're watching live or listening later. Let me know in the chat what you think the final record for the Phoenix Suns will be in 2023, 2024. Way too early. July 14th. We don't even know what the starting five is going to be. We have no idea. But we know that this team has talent. We know this team has drive. We know that this team has a young, athletic, deep, wing-based bench. We know it has a six-man former winner in Eric Gordon who's going to give us a plethora of minutes. We know that this team is coached by an NBA champion. And despite how much offense they are going to be putting on the floor night in night out that they're going to have a defensive mentality behind it. Right? We know that this team is going to be good. And I think everybody does, but what's their final record going to be way too early predictions, you know, put it out there, bookmark it, save it. And when you get it right, be like, yep, I called it in July. Everybody likes that guy. He's like, I told you last July that we're fucking, you're going to fucking win 87 games. Like, you know, so let's take a look. All right, we got Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks in the chat. 58 wins. Zep, 61 and 21. Rocking the mic. 69. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 62 and 10 from Nicholas Blackenston. Uh Jose don't care. He just wants to make the fucking playoffs. I'm with you there. Amen. 56 wins from Carlos Miramon. Uh, and I'm going to go 54 wins. I think it's going to be like a 54 and whatever the math is, 28, is that right? 54 and 28, that's what we're going to be. Uh, injuries will happen. I think the depth is the thing that I'm most excited for on this team outside of just seeing what the fuck this team is. I mean, we have Bradley Beal, we have Kevin Durant, we have Devin Booker, and DeAndre, I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Like, what the actual fuck? Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. You tell me that two years ago. We go to the NBA Finals, we lose. I'm sitting right here, okay? Uh, Footprint Center took the naming rights on July 16th, 2021. And then game five happened. Pivotal game five. We lost 123 to 119. I think we lost by four points in that game. I'm a sicko that I remember these things. And that was the pivotal game five. And we lost game six and the series was over. If you told me, When we saw Devin Booker take his jersey out of his shorts and just go, damn, that two years later, we'd have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal on my team, I really could have used that back then, man, because that was a fucking crushing loss. Fuck. But that's where we're at as a franchise. So we have a summer ahead of us. Uh, Again, programming note, we will not be going live and doing a post-game pod after tomorrow night's last summer league game. Uh, Matthew and I are going to get together and we're going to come out with a one podcast each week for the remainder of the summer, unless something fucking crazy happens. Right. You know, Cameron Payne for TJ McConnell, like uh, a big move like that. We'll come on and we'll talk about it, uh, but we're going to pick a night and we're just going to go kind of into the the sweltering heat and and just try to survive it and come out the other side with plenty of content and plenty of post-game podcasts for you in the 2023-2024 season, which I'm unbelievably excited for. Make sure that you stop by brightsideofthesun.com and give some of those articles a read. I, I write like I talk. So there's a lot of sarcasm. There's a lot of quick little one-liners that only I laugh at. And every now and then somebody will get one of them. Like, they'll comment. And that's the best part about Brightside. They got a comment section, just like those of you who watch on YouTube and you comment along live. It's it's great. You sit there and talk shit with the other Sons fans. It's the best part about Brightside. Uh, and every now and then one of them will get one of my dumb jokes. But I'll definitely be, you know, pushing the content out on that side. You know, site manager now. So I got a lot of responsibility there and a lot of things that I, I want to talk about and a lot of things that uh, I think that we can have a good time predicting what's going to be in 2023 so again thank you to everybody who's listened to 37 minutes of me rambling on about the summer suns and and cameron payne and bull bull and Matt ishbia and and isaiah thomas and what the record is uh but again i appreciate your time i appreciate your support i appreciate the thumbs up everyone who leaves a uh five-star review on apple podcast matthew and i we really really appreciate the fact that you guys give two shits about a couple of Suns fans uh, and you take time out of your day to watch or listen to us really means a lot to us and the fact that we've been doing this this is coming up on our fourth season fifth season i think it's our fifth season 19 to 20 20 to 21 21 to 22 22 23 this will be our fifth season that we're doing uh the podcast for so I mean, we've been around for a minute um i know a lot of new podcast suns podcast there's a lot of different places that you can go we love them all you know i never root for anybody to fail not one no one in the phoenix suns community that creates content i never root for them to fail i just root for myself to succeed so on that note jamsters have a great weekend we'll see you sometime next week make sure those notifications are on on youtube and if you're listening to the podcast make sure your notifications are on as well so you know when we push out the new content and remember as always go home and love your family